Welcome to the Job Shop Show, where we talk with the owners, suppliers, partners, and customers of custom manufacturers. Listen and learn the secrets of top-performing job shops, the tools, techniques, and backgrounds that have made them successful, all in the quest of raising the bar for custom manufacturing. I'm your host, Jay Jacobs. This episode is sponsored by Paperless Parts, connecting buyers and suppliers of custom manufactured parts. The Paperless Platform is a secure, ITAR-compliant, cloud-based manufacturing system for suppliers that reduces the amount of time spent on sales, estimating, quoting, administration, and order processing. It offers seamless integration with the accounting and ERP software tools that shops already use, such as QuickBooks, E2, and JobBoss. Paperless Parts was founded with a mission to make manufacturing more accessible by streamlining the quote-to-cash process. Spend less time quoting and more time selling. This episode is sponsored by our friends at the NTMA, the National Tooling and Machining Association. The NTMA is an association of privately held, entrepreneurial-based, and family-owned businesses, representing nearly 1,200 small to mid-sized machine shops and tool and die shops across the country. They have approximately 30 very active regional chapters that host local events, run apprenticeship programs, and provide other services to their regional members. As an association of peers, the goal of the NTMA is to help members of the U.S. precision custom manufacturing industry achieve profitable growth and business success in a global economy through networking, workforce development and training, technology, best practices education, advocacy, programs, and services with industry partners. To learn how your company can get involved with the NTMA, including how to join, visit ntma.org. Welcome to the Job Shop Show, Jeremy. Thank you, Jay. appreciate you having me. So we're going with a little different format today, and you had contacted us regarding expedites, and you've got some questions around those and wanted to find out some of the thoughts out there regarding expedites. So why don't you fire away? Maybe you could even take a step back and just give a listener a little overview of who you are in the shop and then how the expedites fit into that. I'm with Metalcraft Technologies. We're an aerospace company based in Southern Utah. And we have a lot of questions about expedites from our customers. I'm reaching out to you today to just understand What's the best way to price those expedites and and help me understand how to value the time on my shop floor? You are sheet metal and machining and roughly 200 folks, right? That's correct. How do you price your expedites today? Currently, we have a kind of a complicated format where we take constraints. We take into account material, OP costs, those kind of things. And in the end, we come up with a number that I don't know that it's all that accurate super complicated and not all that accurate. Have you done a review of as a percentage of the normal price, what the increase of price is for standard parts? Let's say you've expedited 100 parts in 2020. Are they all over the board in the markup that are put on the parts or does it fall within a Mm -hmm. pretty tight range? Are you marking them up mostly 10%, mostly 20%, or are they just all over the place? We're disciplined as far as the number of days that we're expediting. So if we take a lead time from 20 weeks down to 10 weeks, we're pretty disciplined as far as that number of weeks. The issue comes that 
as far as a percentage of the value, it's mm -hmm. it's not consistent because sometimes a customer will ask for it in four weeks versus 10 weeks or eight weeks. And so sometimes the exact percentage of the price of the product may be different. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'll share with you the standard pricing that you saw on all the rapid quotes. And we put it right on there because number one, we encouraged expedites. And number two, it took a lot of time and thinking out of both the buyer's side as well as the estimator's side. The customers pretty much knew what the standard expedite markups were going to be and they were just on the quote so the estimators didn't really have to think about it too much. And for sheet metal, if I remember correctly, the standard lead time was seven business days. And we offered a five-day turnaround for a 25% markup, a four-day turnaround for a 50% markup, three days for 75%, and two days for 100%. We always would put a asterisk on the two and three-day deliveries availability dependent upon workload at time of order. But again, we wanted to, number one, let the customers know that the expedites were available. And then we were very consistent so they could plan into their schedule. If in their product development phase, they could know that if they had to get prototypes, then they would have to pay a little extra and that could be six months out. So it was being consistent was very helpful to the customer. It also, I felt empowered the customers and it took the emotion out of it where you have a, your largest customer saying, oh, we really need these parts fast and can you do us a favor? And what that really means is we, we don't want to pay any extra money for it, but we want the parts faster. And there's a cost mm -hmm. to doing that for the shop. You, you know that. And it sounds like that's how you are. You're probably taking a sort of a cost plus approach to the expedites, whereas we just simplified it and we knew that that was a fair price. It also really separated the customers who needed the parts from the ones who just sort of wanted the parts faster. So that, that was helpful. Yeah. So in regards to pricing, I don't know if that's something where you could just standardize so if you look at going from seven to five business days, whatever that works out to as a percentage drop in lead time, because your lead times sound like they're a lot longer, but you could standardize that. And being a paperless parts customer, that's one of the things is you can apply the algorithms to lead times as well as the pricing. So your lead time numbers that are calculated can be controlled with all sorts of variables one of them might be material. So a titanium part is going to have a different lead time than an aluminum part. That makes sense. So in regards to pricing, one of the things that we included that we sort of did as a standard, we changed the way that we manufactured the parts for expedites in some cases. And if a part required plating, instead of having a the standard plater's truck pick up the parts and drop them back off, we actually would use our own vehicles and drive the parts to the plater, drive the parts back. Sometimes if the parts 
were required, say in two business days, we would actually have the team member stay at the platers. We had good relationship with the platers and they just stayed there for a couple hours. As soon as the parts were done, they came back and that's the sort of cost that we incurred deliberately to make sure that we were able to satisfy the customer's need for whatever the lead time requirement was, what they wanted for the expedite. The other thing we would do is we had our standard material suppliers, but there's companies like Online Metals. They are more expensive and you're gonna have to get material shipped air. But if a customer's paying 50% more, if you think about if you're doubling your material cost, the incremental markup there, you're still gonna make a fair profit even if you pay double for the material and a air shipping cost. So having alternative suppliers knowing that the cost will increase, it, it still gives you that, it still allows you to bring the lead time down and satisfy your customers. I guess one of my questions is the lead times that you have, those must be competitive in your industry. They are. Yeah. So going from a 15 week lead time to a 10 week lead time, that's pretty aggressive. That's probably something your customers find pretty enticing, particularly if they are short parts. And, and you think about why people buy expedites. Maybe there's a production line down. Maybe there's an aircraft that is out of rotation because it, whatever maintenance parts need to be put back in it. So not flying right. a plane, that costs a lot of money, right? Right. So, AOGs so, are really pricey. Yeah. Yeah. So it really makes a rational sense for someone to spend what seems to be crazy money, say 100% expedite on a part, but you are actually saving them a lot of money. And so that's a strategic advantage. Did I cover your, your question on terms how to price? Yeah. So just to follow up on that, I assume this isn't including any planning. These are parts that you had done before. Is that, no. that true to, to, to offer a five-day term? Rapid's business model was built on a standard seven day lead time, seven business day turnaround for most sheet metal parts. And most of the parts we never saw before and we never saw again. So we hmm. had automated ways and whether the part was gonna be done in seven business days or whether it was done in three business days, it went through the same process. And we had a lot of automation to help that I have a couple questions as you're thinking about pricing. It gets down to your systems. And, and this actually creates, I think, good stress on systems because your scheduling has to be pretty nimble and flexible and able to be updated multiple times a day as stuff's flowing through work centers. And not all ERP systems give you scheduling capabilities like that. So what kind of ERP system were you using? We used an off the shelf one that was SQL based. Um, okay. We ended up having a custom scheduling program that we wrote ourselves. Yeah. Oh, cool. And how often did you update that? We would update it much more often than a ERP's normal scheduling system would be updated and one that accommodated the shuffling of job priorities in each operation in a manner that allowed for that one day expedite. What requirements did you place on your customer as far as supplying you with information? Did they have to be a digital model? 
what requirements did you put? Whether we made standard parts or expedited parts, we always had to have a 3D model. Hmm. Okay. We would not take an order with a, without a 3D model. Okay. And as you know, there's a lot of value in a 3D model. So <laughs> it's hard to, I think, offer an expedite if you are only getting 2D information. Yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of work with 2D information, and so that's why I asked the question. If, you, if you've already made the part before, then that's a different story, but starting from scratch. And did you have a project manager that you were assigned to the part to make sure that it expedited, or did your system... Expedites were really handled the same as any other part, and the system just managed the workflow so that they had the right priority. Okay. Do you have a system now of managing your on-time delivery to committed ship dates? Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay. That, that's super important. Yeah. And we're about 98, 99% on time to our customers, which is, is a source of pride for us. We, we value that, but we're always looking to improve. So. Well, I think that's actually tremendous because many shops don't have that sort of ferociousness towards hitting committed delivery dates and it starts from the top so somebody or a bunch of somebody's at your company must say that parts must ship on time or else and that's yep. the way it was at rapid i think adding on to that a desire and willingness to take expedites does a lot of wonderful things for the shop because it creates a sense of urgency and it's a forcing function that if you know you have to ship the part on time and something is not right and it's actually costing the shop money to do that in an expedited way, then it actually, if it happens often enough, you've got to fix it. You've got to figure out how to be more efficient there. And in a sense, it is a forcing function for lean manufacturing. And I think expedites a, a focus on time are a wonderful way to scrub inefficiencies out of the system. I also think it's a great cultural shift as well, because when people are hustling on the floor, they have less time to complain. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love it, that approach. It, but it's <laughs> true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So, the other part that I think is important to think about for expedites is how you are communicating why you're doing expedites to the team and measuring how they perform specifically on expedites and possibly even rewarding the company as a whole if you have metrics that help determine bonuses or anything else. It's a real commitment. And I say jobs went through the shop just like any other job. We did have a mechanism of identifying it just so it did get a little extra visibility, but it was more just the awareness that if you're going to mess up on a part, don't do it on this one because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's going to yeah. get out on time, right? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So did Rapid run 24 hours a day, I assume? 24-7. 24-7. And how did you structure your bonuses as related to on-time delivery? Help me understand that. It was part of a overall way of providing 
incentive pay to folks. It was a okay. piece of it. Okay. So it was based on the overall on-timeness of the company, not necessarily a given work center. That was part of it. We measured a whole bunch of things, but on-time delivery, that was almost even non-negotiable. That was just assumed that we were going to be 99% plus. I think in, you're in the aerospace industry, so quality is super important for us. If you're turning parts around that quickly, you can't afford to make mistakes. And if you're only yeah. making the part once, then there's a lot of opportunity or more opportunity than production parts, parts you're making over again to not get it right. So there was a much higher focus on quality. I shouldn't say much higher focus. There was an equal focus on quality because if a part shipped on time but came back, that just blew up the shop. Yeah, that's frustrating. Our focus is probably too tiered like that. Quality was number one and then on time was number two is kind of how we're Mm -hmm. We're structuring ours. If we have to take an extra day to make good quality, we're, we'd rather do that. The other thing which I you touched upon was in the schedule, having holes for expedites to fill in. And if you don't have holes, you create all sorts of fire drills. And the worst case scenario in my mind, if you have holes in your schedule and you don't get expedites is you just ship the other parts faster and Typically, the customer is pretty happy to get those parts early. Right. How did you account for the amount of hole or, or how did you determine what was necessary? Was that market driven or? It just sort of got baked in over time. And we knew the seasonality of parts. We knew when we would have to make adjustments to lessen demand for the parts depending on the time of year. So that in a way kept the gaps constant. Okay. And then part of the communication to the team members is, listen, guys, <laughs> we got a lot of expedites. We got a lot of stuff going on. We need the overtime. And so overtime is still a huge tool for handling expedites. For sure. As far as training goes, maybe I'm off base here, but how did you train a new employee to understand the urgency? Again, it was baked into the culture, so they just saw it from all the other team members. Okay. Definitely part of the and, culture. Huh? And I would say one of our core values was sense of urgency. Another core value was under promise over deliver. We actually had enough buffer in the schedules. We could turn a part around pretty easily in one day. It might need some hand-holding, but we could do it. So we had enough buffer in the schedule that if a part blew up at the last minute, we could get it through the shop and still meet the committed lead time. So what kind of operations were you doing to, on a one-day turn? We're talking sharing, cutting out, forming. Yeah, hardware. It would depend on the quantity, but maybe a little welding. Obviously, okay. obviously welding and finishing there takes a little more time. We would add two days for plating. So we always had a couple-day buffer for plating or powder coating or any sort of putting color on the part. That sense of urgency had to be just huge for your company to turn for rapid quotes. Yeah, we committed to turning quotes around in 24 hours or less. And we had competitions at times in the engineering group. We tried to get the quotes out in an hour, 
two hours. We built software that did it instantly in SolidWorks, and we sold speed. We sold time. It sounds to me like you had kind of a generic way of pricing expedites. Mm-hmm. So that was based on the price of the product, the original price of the product. Correct. To turn it in seven days. How did you value the time on the shop floor for a seven-day turn to get your original pricing? I assume you took overhead and material costs and all that and rolled it into it. But how much of that cost was simply just because you were turning it in seven days versus another shop like mine that would be 15 days or 15 weeks? Well, Pricing is, we could have a conversation for an hour just on on that type of pricing. We were more expensive out of the gate than other shops because we had additional overhead for redundancy. The last thing you wanted to hear as a customer was, we can't deliver your part because our laser went down and we're waiting for the tech. He'll be here in a two days or three days. So we had two lasers at the time we only needed one and those were half million dollar lasers that's a lot of overhead that we really didn't have to have except for the day we had a fire in one of our lasers and the laser was totaled it was out of commission we bought a demo off the floor and it still took it was at least three months might have been four months to have the laser swapped out and replaced if we hadn't had that other laser, we would have been out of business. Yeah. Hmm. So those sort of redundancies were baked in because we were selling time. And I would assume that was indicative of your shop. You had double the capacity of, of a given demand so that, so that if we, something went... We, we always thought of what could break that would prevent us from delivering on time. And whether it was people, facility, equipment, their was just an investment to ensure that we would never be late. Now, the other thing which is interesting about pricing is I was always intrigued with pricing. And so I would periodically go through and create models of this is how much setup time, this is, you know, trying to to model it from the bottom up. And we've got 30 seconds per part for this operation. And then you'd add up all the different operations to set up the run times. And invariably, you would come up with a price that was way higher than what you could sell the part for. And if you looked at every operation, though, they all made sense. And so what we did, right or wrong, is we didn't want to change the operation times because those were driving the schedule. So we just reduced the shop rates to get to a price that we knew was the right price. I assume that was based on your market research. Did you have a team that did that market research or how did you determine? No, it started from the get-go. That was our approach. We wanted the right time and we would adjust the hourly rate per operation. And not all hardware operation would have a different runtime rate than a laser, for example more expensive but just over time we might adjust the overhead rates but that was more the approach and there was no market research i I would have loved to have gotten say 200 dollars for the laser but i was probably putting it in there at 125 and i had no idea why those numbers didn't add up but that's what it had to be (laughs) to get to the price that was 
fair. <laughs> right. Competitive. Yeah. Well, Jay, this has been super helpful. We're trying to determine expedite fees and your information has been very nice. Is there anything else you can tell me about how you determine this 25, 50, 75, 100? We just tried to keep it simple and it was simple for both us and for the customer. And I would recommend going with something like that. It's just figuring out what the lead time reduction is, whether it's weeks or a percentage of quoted weeks, whatever it is. And you match that to your capabilities. And what I mean by capability is capability to deliver to say a hundred percent expedite with whatever that means. And you work those percentages in. Now, perhaps you use a 33% you can play, but I, I think 25% as a minimum for an expedited part is fair. But as the supplier, when you get an expedite in return for that, you've got to make sure that you are committing the extra cost that's going to be necessary. There is a cost right. to doing that. As far as for owners, shareholders forecast, did you have a lot of work that was out, you know, a year, two years, three years in advance, or was most of your work hand to mouth type things? We had a two week backlog essentially, and then we were out of business. Wow. Wow. We started small and it was just predictable over time. And there were times when it was slow and you knew there were going to be times that were slow. We talked about overhead. Part of the overhead was periods of time when you were not running at capacity and, and the shop got awfully clean and sometimes the walls got painted and different things happened. But and you, you worked on your lean processes, I'm sure that's... yeah. That's a good thing to do when you're a little slower. Yeah, it's going to happen, but you have the luxury, it sounds like, where your workflow is a little more predictable, and that allows you to pick and choose how you want to approach this. Mm -hmm. A little I bit. Did, I did want to mention, which we didn't cover, though, is even though you're aerospace and you have these much longer lead times, I would encourage you to take credit cards and Paperless parts allows the processing of credit cards very easily. And mm. if you don't like paying the credit card fees, which many companies don't, you can simply make that part of the formula to determine the price and put it in there if you know a customer is going to be buying by credit card. Okay. And that way it doesn't cost you anything and you have the money right away. But so many engineers in particular have credit cards. Sometimes the purchasing folks do. The government, I remember the army would have, there was a guy, he had $2,000 limit. So we'd charge his card three days in a row to whatever the limit was and we would get yeah, him yeah. his expedited parts. There's, credit cards open the door in many ways and with the technology paperless parts has to to take the payment there. It's not terribly difficult to do. It doesn't create any, really any more stress on the organization. Oh, good. Maybe less because we can recognize revenue faster. Oh. Yeah. I, I love taking credit cards. Matter of yeah. fact, I would only take credit cards from GE. GE happens to be one of our customers that we oh. have problems with payments. So I, I totally understand why you do that. And I figured that they would be a aerospace customer and the 
outsourcing of payables to other countries creates all sorts of delays. And we had the luxury of being able to say it wasn't worth us from a personnel standpoint to chase AR like that. So we just said, we quoted credit card and if someone wouldn't pay, then we just wouldn't take the order. Great business model. I like it. Well, our orders were probably a lot smaller than yours. So sometimes you don't have that choice. Sometimes you don't, but be nice to have the option. Uh, Thanks for the suggestion. You've answered most of my questions, Jay. I appreciate your time. Sure. I also, just to throw in at the end here, I did a blog, which you can find on LinkedIn on Expedites. It was published on October 24th, 2018 and called, Can We Get the Part Sooner? Sure. We covered the ground in probably a lot more detail than this, but it's just a place where you can find some of my thoughts on Expedites as well. Okay. Sounds like a great resource. Well, I hope this was helpful for you. It was. Very helpful. Appreciate your time and thank you for including us. Well, we really appreciate you being a Paperless Parts customer and happy to help in any way we can. Wonderful. Thanks, Jay. Have a great day. You too, Jeremy. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Job Shop Show podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Not only do I read every single one, it also helps me understand what content matters most to you. Thanks again for listening to The Job Shop Show.